It's a high calling for all of us to involve ourselves in the defense of the beauty of our planet. And that beauty involves its animal creatures, but also its human creatures. There's beauty all around us all the time, and we are called upon to do our best to preserve it. Author Bill DeBuiz speaks about beauty in a voice that hints at heartbreak. For Bill, defending the beauty of Earth is the best way to stay optimistic in the face of change. As an environmental writer, Bill helps other people become aware of the threats to the beauty of our planet. If environmental writers are to get others involved in preserving beauty, they must combine fact with feeling. Even though I understand the seriousness of climate change, the pinnacle of environmental issues, I rarely react with anger or sadness to climate change news stories. My reaction, or lack of it, is exactly what Bill and New York Times and National Geographic writer Michelle Nyhouse have to overcome in their writing. As environmental journalists, as science journalists, we still are dealing with the same problem. And I think of it as the invisibility problem. Our stories are distant in time, often. Um, they're distant in space. Like for a long time, we were reporting about climate change impacts in Alaska that would happen, you know, sometime in the next decade. You know, now, unfortunately, we have a lot more evidence. Michelle's right. There is usually a disconnect between the seriousness of climate change and our reaction to it. But, you know, it's hard to get people's attention when you're saying, yeah, you know, 20 years from now, things might be really weird, and there's a place really far away where things are really weird. You know, people just, even if they have the best of intentions, it's hard for them to make that a priority when they're worrying about how they're going to pay for health insurance for their family. In his new book, A Great Aridness, Bill attributes the recent massive fires and severe droughts in the Southwest to climate change. Researchers are no longer just making predictions. They are now documenting actual events and patterns. Even though we see effects of climate change occurring quicker and closer to home, many of us still aren't compelled by news about it. Most news you hear probably tells you that climate change will alter the environment, reshape society, and we should have done something about it yesterday. We are all familiar with that message, but how can writers overcome the invisibility problem and get people excited or upset about it? Environmental writers have one thing on their side that other journalists don't. Time. Environmental issues build slowly, giving writers an open window for researching and publishing. Journalists at High Country News, a magazine covering environmental issues in the West, cover these stories as they develop over time. News of plane crashes and car bombings in Iraq grab the front pages of other publications. High Country News reports on obstructed pronghorn migration routes, water advocates in the Southwest, and conservation ranches in Mexico. There's this like saying among environmental journalists that environmental stories ooze, they don't break. Editor Callie Carswell explains that sometimes she'll pitch a story that doesn't get published until a year later. Usually the whole premise of the story is based on us having done relatively deep thinking about it and having all of this context that allows us to say, okay, this is the part of this that's fresh and new and meaningful. Time not only allows environmental journalists to watch stories evolve and research them carefully, it also lets them craft emotional impact not shock value. Toxic Waters was a big series that came out in the New York Times. This is a super data-heavy story. They looked at water quality violations in all 50 states. 
Michelle shows a photo of a child's mouth agape. Almost every one of the boy's teeth has a crown on it. This picture is of a kid who has dental problems, which they think are caused by bad water. And so they use both really solid facts, solid reporting, data analysis of things that weren't otherwise coming to light, and they had these personal stories. Personal stories are the things that people remember. Um, and if, they can, if you can use a personal story to represent a larger trend, you have a really powerful combination. Human interest stories give invisible issues like poor water quality or climate change a personal face. To get people passionate about the environment, environmental writing must find more ways to turn issues into emotions. At the end of his presentation on a great aridness, Bill puts up one of the classic early pictures of Earth seen from space. I just feel that this is the most beautiful thing we can be talking about, and this is our little habitat island. I find the beauty of this planet just about heartbreaking. Heartbreak. That's something you don't hear about very often on the radio or in the newspaper, but it should be there more. Pure fact-delivering journalism is vital, but sometimes writing needs to get emotional and give readers permission to do the same. Bill's presentation is filled with data and case studies about how drastically climate change will alter Earth and human society. At the end, he almost interrupts himself by interjecting about how it all makes him feel. I'm mad as it is. If I were in my 20s, I'd be really, really mad because one way to think of climate change is as the most grievous intergenerational crime in the history of humankind. I appreciated Bill's permission to be angry. Climate change had scared me and made me sad, but never had I thought that it was something to be angry about. I'd learned to think of it as a scientific and social problem, not a moral crisis worthy of tears. Anger and sadness can help us engage with the issues, and they can motivate us to act on them. Environmental writing has two important roles in that, according to Bill. I think the only thing that's gonna save us is uh, a widespread commitment to preserving the beauty that's around us. And so nature writing has one purpose in, in communicating that sense of beauty and helping to sensitize people to it. Nature writing will have a job in bearing witness to the changes that are happening and, and going to happen. When I read environmental news, I realized I was not letting myself feel vulnerable. Feeling sadness, anger, or inspiration requires openness to those emotions. Good environmental writing pulls the reader in, earns their trust, and allows for vulnerability. Michelle sums up the job of environmental writing. We are trying to inspire awe. The feeling of awe reminds us that we are a small part of a planet that supports elegantly complex systems. Environmental writing should humble us with beauty and validate heartbreak. It will overcome the invisibility problem by inspiring us to defend beauty. National Public Lands Radio, I'm Allison Bolzano.